0: There is a false movement today, a false ideology that tells people of all ages that bodily autonomy is your special right. That is an absolute truth for you. So therefore, you could do whatever you want to do with your body, whatever your desires may be. Is that true? Well, that's exactly what we're going to be talking about in today's podcast. So turn to First Corinthians chapter 6. Let's get into it. Well, hey there my friends, welcome to Stand Strong in the Word podcast. Jason Jimenez is with you as always blessed to be with you guys as we continue our study in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. This is podcast 233. And any previous podcast that you guys have missed, I encourage you guys to check them out and download them and share them with your friends and leave us a review wherever you get your podcast and always go Check out our website, StandStrongMinistries.org. You can click on the resources tab that is right there up on the very top, and you will see that we have books, we have video series of all kinds of videos that we put together to help you stand strong in your faith. There's articles, and of course, our other podcast that we do with Edify, with Christian Post, that's called Challenging Conversations. We also one thing that I wanted to uh, share with you guys that we've been getting some questions that have come in or even just comments, people just saying, hey, thank you so much for this plan And they're actually referring to the U version plans that we have available. So if you do have the Bible app, make sure you guys check out the U version plans. You can go to standstrawministries.org. you can click on resources on the very top and you will see that we have a challenging conversations Bible plan. We also have one that I did with my pastor several years ago, called "Finding Peace During Troubled Times," and also the famous U Version Plan that I did with the Benham Brothers, called "The Thirty Day Challenge: I Will Stand Strong." And this will give you confidence that you need to stand strong in your faith, including the Stand Strong U Version Plan. And we're actually in the works of putting together another U Version Plan for my recent book, Parenting Gen Z, Guiding Your Child Through a Hostile Culture. So I I encourage you, and we wrote this with Focus on the Family, and I just dropped, as I'm recording this, uh, the first of two interviews that I did on the Focus on the Family broadcast with Jim Daly and John Fuller, good brothers in Christ. Appreciate those men so much. Uh, We're going to be developing with Tyndale a U version plan for Parenting Gen Z that will be uh, making available, and I will let you guys know to all of our listeners on this podcast. So take advantage of that, you guys. Uh, there's other additional resources as you guys come faithfully to listen and to study the Word of God with me as we're going through 1 Corinthians chapter 6. So today is glorifying God with your body, and as I was kind of posing in the opening of this podcast, there are so many false views out there, false doctrine that encourage people to pursue whatever passions or desires or feelings or beliefs in their mind that they have about who they are and how they can fulfill the desires of their flesh. And there are people that I've counseled even as, as, as a pastor who, who have a addiction or they have a predilection or they have this drive within them to fulfill certain gratifications and think that they have a right to do that. Or I've been saved by grace and, you know, I could do this and God can forgive me. That is not the truth, my friends. That leads to more bondage. That is a lie. And so as we dive into verses 12 through 20, building off of where we left things off, who will not inherit the kingdom of God? And is very specific. And let me just say this. If you guys follow the ministry and you keep track of other things that we also publish, I encourage you guys to also subscribe to uh, my channel, Stand Strong with Jason Jimenez on YouTube. And just recently, we put out an hour-long video. I know it's long, but it was necessary because of Andy Stanley and this false view that he has about LGBTQ+, plus, you know, et cetera, et cetera, that in essence, God made you this way and we are to accept people, whatever their gender identity, whatever their sexual identity, whatever their orientation is, whatever trans ideation they have, God made them this way. And that's what he's saying. And he's very subtle about it because... He knows that he's teetering, uh, or he has been some for quite some time, but now he's really gone full-fledged, and I did this response about this unconditional conference that he put together, and it really coincides to the last podcast that we did, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 1 through 11, because the Bible is very explicit. It's very, very clear uh, what the Bible says about homosexuality, and that marriage is between a biological male and a biological female from the beginning of creation. that We see in Genesis chapter 2 that Jesus himself, the second person in the Trinity, reiterates in Matthew chapter 19, beginning in verse four and following. And we talked about that. So if you missed that podcast, check that out, because this is more or less like a part two as we now build into how we are to live out our lives in this world. That our bodies are not our own, but we belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. So if you have a Bible available and with near you if not let me just read this passage of scripture with with you and then let's dive right in to this important topic verse 12 says all things are lawful for me but not all things are helpful all things are lawful for me but i will not be dominated by anything food is meant for the stomach and the stomach for food and god will destroy both one and the other the body is not meant for sexual morality but for the lord and the lord for the body but he who is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. Flee from sexual morality. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body, but the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you are bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. Now, there is a lot there. And I I remember when I was dissecting this and praying and studying that I, I could have probably spent another week, obviously, easily, and, and made this into a massive series. And so I do apologize in the brevity of this in this, in this episode today, but I just I didn't want to go so deep to where we lose sight of what Paul's saying here. Uh, but this is such an, a, a vital piece of, of information that we get from the inspired Word of God. Because this is a passage clearly, even on the heels of what we just learned last week in dealing with those who will not inherit the kingdom of God. And of course, people just, you know, take right out of the context, they look at the practice of homosexuality in verse 11, the very end of, excuse me, verse 9 of 1 Corinthians 6, and, and, and they just completely blast the scripture as a result of it, uh, or they try to hijack the text. And we miss out on that because on the hills of what we just read, if you go back to verse 11, it says, and such were some of you, meaning you were once people who were not inheriting the kingdom of of heaven. Why? Because you were not washed. You were not sanctified. You were not justified. So that's why in verse 11, he says, you were like that, but now you have been washed. You have been sanctified. You have been justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And notice in by the spirit of our God, Then he tells us in verse 12, all things are lawful for me. Now, this is important to put in proper context because in this section, we have to understand that Paul's confronting the sexual behavior of those who are in promiscuous relationships and they're engaging in prostitution. Now, that's not saying, and this is important because people like Matthew Vines and others who believe that they are a devout Christian who are saved by the blood of Jesus Christ and they believe they're indwelt by the power of the Holy Spirit, and yet, they believe that God made them a gay person. They believe in a monogamous relationship in a same-sex relationship. That is, that is not biblical. That is false. You cannot be, and I talk about this in my book, Challenging Conversations, in chapter seven. You cannot be a person who is living out a gay lifestyle romantically, habitually, and fervently, and ideologically, and yet at the same time, in the same sense, Say that you are a devout, bona fide, authentic follower of Jesus Christ. You cannot be in that type of sin, my friends. That is detestable. And so these are the things that we're learning in our culture today. And that's why glorifying God with our bodies is not to fulfill the gratification of the flesh. And so right off the bat, what Paul's talking about is people who are in these promiscuous relationships, but going back to Matthew Vines, they will say, well, yes, that's why these people are not going to inherit the kingdom of God, because they're abusing, they're being perverted in their sexuality, where he would say, I uphold to a monogamous relationship when I have sexual relations and I'm married in a covenant marriage with, with my husband. So two husbands or two wives, whatever. That is not biblical marriage. And it's not just because they're engaging in prostitution. These are people who are, again, who are abusing their bodies. And so what Paul's pointing out is he's using a phrase that is common in the Greek culture, all things are lawful for me. Now, let's unpack this because that's connected to, to not all things are helpful. So what was going on was not only were they abusing their bodies in these sexually perverted relationships, but they're also abusing the interpretation and they're spreading a lie. As a result of that, that they are free to do whatever they want. They have a license to sin, as long as they're saved by grace, because that's what grace is. Now, you go back to other passages of Scripture that we're going to be seeing here in verse thirteen. Uh, if we, when we look into First Corinthians chapter seven, verse one, then when we look in First Corinthians chapter ten, verse twenty-three, Paul's going to be again refuting this false claim that all things are lawful, meaning in a sense of that you could do whatever your flesh desires. That's completely false. So when he says all things are lawful, this is not an absolute statement. But it was a common phrase, again, among Corinthians. And clearly whatever God does forbid, whatever God says that is is law is not lawful or allowed, we don't do it. We can't justify. So again, going back to homosexuality, people say, oh no, uh, that was an old perverted abuse of the text. They mistreated LGBT people, and now we've been reformed, and we've seen things clearly now, we're enlightened. No, that is false. That is abusing the text. So Paul, what he's referring to here is is implicit issues, right? So we have to, as Christians, we have to be wise in how we align with God's truth when it comes to implicit issues, not explicit. So it's, a, it's, it's very explicit how we are to... Um, use our bodies, meaning in the sense when it comes to sex is in the confines between a man and a woman in marriage and a covenantal relationship. Sexual intimacy is to be shared between a husband and wife. Now, when it comes to implicit things, Christians are to be wise. But then when he says, but not all things are helpful, remember the culture of Corinth was very hedonistic. So they did. They believed that their body, and many of them would use this as practice of worship, so you know, euphoria in a sexual sense would cause them uh, to feel like they are close, you know, with whatever uh, prostitute from the temple or whatever, as a sacrifice or as a sign of worship. But they believe that the body deserved whatever it craved. Now, can you imagine people are coming out of that culture and they're getting saved? They're having to let those things go. Crisis, you know, freed them from sin and death, so they're not to perpetually be in disobedience. So this is why Paul makes the point of self-control. And this is something that he covers clearly in Galatians chapter five, which we covered several episodes. If, you, if you've if you never touched base on that lesson that we studied in the book of Galatians, I encourage you to check that out on the podcast. But when he's saying that not all things are helpful, again, what he's pointing out is that when you don't do things with self-control and you're not discerning things wisely, even on implicit issues, there will be consequences. So he warned the Corinthians, again, not to abuse the freedom given in Christ, just like he did with the Galatians in Galatians chapter five, verse 13, where Paul says, do not use your liberty as an opportunity for the flesh. Now, when this phrase says, but I will not be dominated by anything, this is so foundational. So yeah, there are some things that people say, well, I'm, it's lawful for me to do this and, and I want to be discerning. Not all things are going to be helpful, but we always have to make sure, just like I was having a conversation with somebody recently about alcohol. You know, if you, if you consume alcohol to the degree where you're getting drunk or buzzed or whatever, the Bible clearly says, do not be drunk with wine, but be filled by the Holy Spirit, right? Plain and simple. And so if you are making excuses or your intentionality behind drinking is to be accepted or to uh, reduce the stress in your life or to try to be something other than who you are, because when, when some people get drunk, they become a different person, You're being dominated by something and we have to be very careful, whatever that may be, eating food, right? Talking about yourself, uh, feeding your selfishness. I mean, I'll admit to you guys, because you guys are all my brothers and sisters out there, my faithful listeners, as we study God's word together. I had to confess to my wife recently that I allow the flesh just where I I let fear and doubt to consuming to where you can get agitated, you can get impatient. And yet God comes through with something that same day and it just brought me to tears. And I, and I, you know, not only did she and I pray together and we talked through things, but I had to have a moment with myself and with my Lord to say, Lord, I don't want to be dominated by fear. I I repent of this. And so when I was even studying this, it just spoke to my heart and I pray it does to you guys because the word dominated here when he says, "But I will not be dominated by anything," this Greek word is exiososo, Seioso. exiososo. If I'm saying that pronounced, it's kind of a weird Greek word to be honest. But the but the the frame of this comes from what we see in English "exercise." So when it says, "I will not be exercised by anything," meaning I will not be exercised uh, to with the authority or to have power over something to be mastered. So essentially he's saying, but I will not be mastered by anything. I will not be controlled or dominated with the power of something in my life. And, and that's where the, the, the Greek word came from. exiosia means power, dominion, domain, or jurisdiction. So living a life, a holy life that is before God, that is the mark of a true person in freedom. That is true freedom. Paul writes in Romans 6, 14, for sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under law, but under grace. So undoubtedly, Paul unequivocally rejected the idea that grace is a license to sin. So right off the bat, let's understand when we're looking at 1 Corinthians 6, verse 12, we are not to use this contextually, as the Corinthians were doing, as a license to sin. That is by far not the case, and Paul refutes that. Then he goes on in in verses 13 and 14 to continue to bear this in mind. So he's making his point even more clearly, and this is where he shows the adages, the false proverbs in their culture, and then he refutes it in verse 14. So notice verse 13 says, food is meant for the stomach and the stomach for food, and God will destroy both one and the other. The body is not meant for sexual morality, but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. So many ancient philosophers, they would refer to pleasures as the belly. So just like when you would have cravings, uh, you're hungry, they would use that to speak of their pleasures. And you can actually see this in other remarks by Paul. If you look at Romans 16, verse 17, he's talking about false teachers. He says, but they feed their own appetites. Or in Philippians chapter 3, verse 19, he says, the God is their valley, meaning they worship themselves. That's essentially what that's saying. They they, they live to feed their own desires and their own flesh. So Paul quotes from some ancient Greek proverbs to refute this false claim. And the false claim was this, that promiscuity uh, doesn't affect a person's soul. That's by far not the case. See, sexual activity is not the same as eating food. Promiscuity, when you are pursuing other people, that has consequences. So it is false to say that you can just sleep around and you could do whatever you want with consensual adults and there's there's no consequences to follow. That is not the case. And so just because you have certain desires doesn't mean you have the right to fulfill those desires. Now notice what he says here. The body is meant for the Lord let just that let that resonate in your life i was meditating on this not too long ago lord my body my mind my heart my soul all of this my personality my giftedness this belongs to the lord i work for him i'm owned by him his image is stamped on Me, My DNA, my very existence comes from him. So it is vital, uh, not just that the Corinthians understood this, but for us today to learn to dignify our bodies and to seek to live in accordance with the Lord's moral standards. That is so important, my friend. So even pause and think right now, what are some moral standards that you're living by because God has instituted them in his creation? Think about that. And then next to that, Paul further makes the case that God raised the Lord. And guess what? He will also raise up you by his power. So Paul dispels this false belief, again, that, you know, his, his food is meant for the stomach and stomach for the food. Like that's life, you know, just fulfill your desires. He says, God raised the Lord. So we have a Savior who defeated sin and death. And that same power that raised Christ from the dead lies within us. So when Paul's dispelling this false belief, he's saying, look at, the, the body is temporal in a sense that uh, we will live in a sinful body a, a temporarily. But what he goes on to say is that our future bodies will be resurrected someday. Now, there's a lot of references that I can go to, but let me just share with you guys a couple. The first one is in First Corinthians chapter 15, verses 42 through 45, where Paul says, So it is with the resurrection of the dead that is sown it. in Philippians chapter 3, verses 21 through 20, or excuse me, verses 30, uh, 20 through 21, but our citizenship is in heaven. And from it, we await a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body, there it is, to be like his glorious body. What does that mean, to be like his glorious body? That means the resurrection. And then it goes on to say, just like he says here in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14, by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. So now, when he says, "Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ?" So, if God raised our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ from the dead, and that same power lies within us, and there will come a day when our lowly bodies will receive its resurrected body. So the imper- the perishable will take on imperishability; the corrupt will take in- incorruptibility. When he when the weakness will take on the power. When you, when you read those scriptures and Paul says, don't you not know, know that you're members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? Never. So if we're one with Christ, we're not to be one with anything else. And that's a reflection within marriage. Now, he, he addresses this division because it's not compatible with the Christian life. I love what the NIV application commentary says in verses 15 through 17. It says, verses 15 through 17 form a syllogism. Now, what's a syllogism? Let me just pause and say this. A syllogism is two premises and a conclusion. And so they need to be, the two premises, they need to be consistent to one another. Okay? So they have to follow through, not just cohesively, but logically, in order for the conclusion, like if this, then that, therefore. Okay? So for example, it says, A, three-part argument. So the two premises with a conclusion that necessarily follows, okay? So that's important. Syllogism, the two premises, and necessarily follows. Therefore, based on those two premises, that this will be the conclusion. So premise number one, the bodies of Christians are members of Christ himself. Premise number two, sexual intercourse unites two human beings as taught already as you go back to Genesis chapter 2, verse 24. So the bodies of Christians, we are members of Christ. And sexual intercourse unites two human beings and it separates, right? That sin separates with our union with Christ. So therefore, if that's the case, sexual intercourse with a prostitute unites the members of Christ with that prostitute. And that is not, not just logically, should be logically true, but that does not bear true in reality. We are not, meaning we're not to live that. That runs contrary to how we ought to, to live As members of Christ, we are inseparably connected with Christ. So we're not our own. We don't belong to ourselves. We belong to Christ. We have been united with him. And therefore, we are not to hand over our bodies to participate in sin. We're not to give of ourselves, uh, even if somebody wants that from us. So let me just speak, if I may. And as a father of four and two of my children are daughters. And someone who's done a lot of premarital counseling, been married for 20 plus years, let me say this. And yes, I carry regret in my past of how I abused my body and thought that I had the right to do with it how I choose instead of glorifying the Lord. And I know a lot of you guys listening, you can relate to that. But let me just say this. As a member of Christ, dear precious women out there, I don't care what men are trying to say to say, if you really love me, you will do this, meaning have sex on the outside of marriage to show your love. That is not true love. Love is the, the relationship you have with Christ and you are to be one with Christ and you're not to be one with somebody outside of marriage that's going to be dishonorable. And Paul utilized this argument. If you go back, spend some time, look at Romans chapter 6, verse 12, verses 16 through 22. Romans chapter 7, verses 7 through 25. So we are members of Christ. We're not to be members of a prostitute. Now, obviously, like I was saying earlier, they're having promiscuous relationships, but the point still stands. Even if you are having premarital sex, I'm not saying that Paul's referring to your, your, your boyfriend or girlfriend as a prostitute, but what he's getting at, because this is important, what Greek philosophers taught was that it was okay to sleep with prostitutes or with anyone as long as you didn't be, become controlled by it. So that applies in our culture today of saying, I got this. I have a handle on this. This is not such a big deal. Meaning I can get away with this because I choose to do it, and when I choose not to do it anymore, it'll be fine. No, that's being a member, becoming one with someone that you're not. See, the reality is, there's there's other people who are arguing that sex was only for procreation, right? It wasn't about love or anything like that. Um, yes, part of sex in a relationship between a man and woman who are married is to procreate, right? That's how we have see all these uh, uh, generations and and developing uh, societies around us and civilization. And at this time, marriage was not very prevalent in the in the Greco Roman culture. Okay, uh, yeah, people had prostitutes or they would. Live out their homosexual practices, like people like uh, Cicero, the great Roman satirist and writer and philosopher. You know, he was known apparently to be married, like which that was kind of a customary thing for an older man, educated man, but also have a slave child um, and have homosexual relationships with that person. I mean, so this, there's no doubt that there are things that were perverted, um, but it was also looked down upon though to commit adultery. They actually refer to that as wife-stealing. So notice that there are some things that they're allowing in certain life of debauchery and then realizing that, well, but it's going too far if you were to have sex with someone else's wife. That's wife-stealing. That's, that's not appropriate. That's an immoral act. And Paul's saying, listen, sin outside of the relation, you know, any, any sin hinders our oneness with Christ, okay, especially sexual sin. So let's dive more specifically in why that's the case. Notice he says in verse 16, or do you not know that he who is joined a prostitute becomes one body with her? For it is written, the two will become one flesh. So he's specifically talking about the sexual act outside of marriage. Now, yes, in marriage, the husband and wife who have romantic relationships, um, relations, I should say, that that is one. They're one in flesh. Okay? The one flesh union in marriage, that's created by God. That's a beautiful thing. Matthew 19, 6, Mark 10, 7 through 8. Because he said the two will become one flesh, but sex is not meant for anyone that's not married. It is an intimate act that is to be expressed and experienced in the confines of marriage between a husband. Again, I hate to have to do this, but in the culture that we live in, that is a biological chromosomal male. Somebody who has, uh, physiologically, the, the, the male uh, capabilities, cognitively, physically, and anatomically male, with the body parts, chromosomally and biologically, with a biological female, who has the, ana- the the anatomy that bears true to what God created to be a female that makes up humanity. Now, this is more elaborative in the biblical description of marriage that's ordained by God in Ephesians chapter five, verses 31, 32. But the point that we, that Paul's making and that we have to understand is that sex is, is, is a sin that actually uh, brings that person to become one outside of marriage because it's an act that God made between a husband and wife that's to be shared with them that does lead to procreation, that leads to a family in the governance and the support and the love. And so we're not to do that. We're not, so there are certain sins you guys have greater consequences. I actually have a video on our website, is all sin equal? And the answer to that is no. Now sin is sin, no matter what it is, that goes against God and runs contrary to who he is. But there's different degrees of sin and we all know this between, we know the difference between manslaughter and premeditated murder in the first degree. Those are different degrees. If somebody accidentally, you know, they weren't paying attention in the car and sadly hit someone, they died, we know that that person was not intentionally looking to, to hit someone and to kill them. There wasn't murderous intent. So we know there are different degrees of sins. But when it comes to sexual morality, when it comes to sex outside of marriage... You're becoming one with that person and it will have great consequences. Let me dive a little bit further into these last few verses so we can unpack this a little bit more. In verse 17, he says, but he who is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. Now, the word unite, it's it's amazing because this word refers to glue. It actually captures this, it carries this unbreakable bond. That's the picture here that is shared or fused together. Okay, this is reflected in Isaiah 54 verses 5 and 6 where, where, where God talks about being, the, being uh, Israel's maker. He's like their husband. He's their redeemer. And so Paul applies that New Testament terminology of God being the husband to Israel. And now as Christians, as followers of Jesus Christ who indwells us, he's our, he's our savior, we are referred to as the bride of Christ. So he applies that same relationship and principle to the church. That's why in verse 18, we're to flee from sexual immorality. We're to flee from every sin that is is that God, again, calls sin that we're not to live by and, and come under its domain. Every other sin, notice, and this is what Paul says, every other sin in verse 18, a person commits is outside the body, but the sexual immoral person sins against his own body. Why? Well, let's get a little bit more specific. Now remember, there are many Greek writers who urge their readers to flee from, se- for, from uh, sinful desires. What Paul merely is unveiling is the inner damage. There, the inner damage that's caused by sexual sins that affects a person's whole being. See, that's one thing with a sexual act with someone that is not your spouse it will affect you spiritually, emotionally, mentally, and physically. That's why he says flee. This is fuego. It's in the imperative, meaning we are to resist continually. My friends, please heed the word of God if you are struggling in this particular area of your life. It means to run from. It is our duty to keep learning to resist sin and not to succumb to its bondage. We are called to walk in the freedom of Christ. So that's why verse 19, says, or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? So remember, this is so important because he was saying, do you not know that your bodies, that your bodies are members of Christ in verse 15? And he says, do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? So notice the Trinity here, whom you have from God. God the Father sent his son Jesus. Jesus became our redeemer. The Holy Spirit became our sealer. So as a representative, as, as God's created beings, as his children, we have the love of the Trinity We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Now, remember, Paul reissues this point from what he said in chapter three, verse 16, that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. So he's already said this before, that that we are individual temples where God dwells. Isn't that amazing? So God dwells within me as you're listening to the sound of my voice and all my brothers and sisters out there listening to this podcast, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you know him as your Lord and Savior. You believe that he rose from the dead. The Holy Spirit dwells within you. You are the temple, my friend, of the Holy Spirit. God dwells within you. So sexual morality not only is a sin against the body, it is a sin against catch this the third person of the Holy Trinity. So one time when I was talking to somebody, he says, "Yeah, but you know, I'll, I'll 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 deal with it. We'll work it out. You know, we'll we'll you know we I guess you know sex outside of marriage is wrong," and I say, "Well, it's not just sinning against the other person when you become one with them." But do you realize, though, that that sexual act outside of marriage is sinning against the Holy Spirit? Remember, the Bible says that we can grieve and quench the Holy Spirit. So when you are committing an act like sexual morality, you are grieving and quenching the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. So instead of walking in step with the Holy Spirit and living a self-controlled life, as Paul was saying earlier in this letter, you're choosing to fulfill the gratification of your flesh. And the Bible says that we've been bought with a price, meaning... The salvation that we have is very costly. Paul, matter of fact, uses imagery of a slave being purchased in the market. This is something he says in the next chapter in verse 23, you were bought with a price. Do not become bond servants of men. So he depicts how we as Christians have been purchased from our enslavement to sin. Why would you want to return to that? My friends, we have been purchased, we've been bought and paid for by the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Amen, Ephesians 1 verse 7. We have been sealed by the Holy Spirit who is our guarantee of our inheritance, Ephesians 1, 13 through 14. That's why we glorify God in our bodies. That is the ultimate purpose on this earth, to glorify God with our bodies. Now, later in the letter, Paul will repeat this very thing in chapter 10 verse 31 when he says, So whether you eat or drink, so whatever gender you are, whatever nationality, whatever giftedness, whatever passions, whatever dreams or aspirations you are, whatever you do, he says, do all to the glory of God. And as I close, I'm reminded to share with you guys two other passages. And I just want you guys to listen to the power of this, this word from Romans 6, 12 through 13. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. My friends, I pray that truth over your life. Or as the apostle Peter said in chapter one, verse 17 and 19 of his first letter, he says, and if you call on him as father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, notice, conduct yourselves, with fear throughout the time of your exile, knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. My friends, we who have been declared righteous have been bought and purchased by the precious blood of Christ, the lamb without blemish or spot. That's who we're supposed to live for. That's who we are supposed to uh, use and to look to as our model. We are to live as Christ lived. We are not to be instruments for unrighteousness. So if there's any sin in your life, there's any struggle of addiction, please get help. I'm grateful that you're listening to this podcast, but don't keep it inside of you And keep thinking that you have a handle on it when you clearly don't because you continue to turn back to it over and over and it's beating you up and you're abusing grace. And if you're having sex outside of marriage, I pray that you would repent. If you are committing adultery, I pray you would repent and get the help and confess your sins and allow allow God to take a hold of you. And there's going to be consequences. No doubt, my friends, I'm not going to lie to you. There are going to be consequences of your sin because that's what sin does. It brings forth death. And the longer we go thinking that we have it under control or it's no big deal or we love our sin more than we love Jesus, you are going to face heavy consequences and a lot of turmoil and a lot of regret. And I pray that you will not do that. I pray this this podcast today, this episode in First Corinthians 6 has encouraged you guys to be bold in your conviction and to live holy lives unto Jesus. So as always, you guys check out the Other books that we have made available for you guys, Hijacking Jesus is out. I pray that if you are listening and you pick up that book or you have an Amazon account, would you do me a favor? Would you guys go to Amazon and leave a review? And listen, if you do that, if you leave a review, I want you to do something for me, please. I want you to take a snapshot of that and I want you to email me at info. At StandStrongMinistries.org. That will come through the ministry to our staff. Info at StandStrongMinistries.org. Show us that you left a review of Hijacking Jesus. And I also encourage you to do for Parenting Gen Z. But if you do that, we will then send you a free PowerPoint presentation that you can study for yourself and you can use in a small group or at your, ch- at your church, all because you guys took the opportunity to go to Amazon, leave us a review uh, for Hijacking Jesus, how progressive Christians are remaking him and taking over the church. And you guys send us that snapshot at info at stanstrownministries.org and we will send you a free PowerPoint presentation on Hijacking Jesus just to say thank you for your support. So why don't you guys do that? So appreciate that. Till next time, Keep standing strong in the Word of God.